Hi, this is Lacey Estelle, and this is An ADD Woman Podcast, Episode 16, and we're going to talk about ADHD and faith. So earlier last week, I got an email from a listener, and I won't name names or anything, but basically her email was just a request for some more information in regards to why I feel that ADHD butted up with my faith. And if I could kind of talk through that and walk through that. And if you haven't listened to my episodes telling my full story, you know, I go go through part one and part two where I'm talking about, you know, everything that I've been through over the last 10 years or more, uh, actually more like the last 15 years. And, you know, when you listen to those stories, you probably do hear a little bit of how I feel like my ADHD butted up to my faith. But in case you didn't listen to that, Here's the Cliff Notes version. I went through a really bad relationship for 11 years of my life, and I ended up married to the person because I felt that that was what I was supposed to do, and I had this misperception that God works like a genie in a lamp, and if I do the right things and I live my life obedient to his requests and his moral law, right, which is impossible to have obtain, but we'll get to that. If I do all those things, then God will bless my marriage and bless my life and everything will get easier. Right. And, um, that's not how God works. That's not the Christian God. That's not Jesus. Even though these days I feel like, uh, a lot of times people will personify Jesus as what they think he is rather than actually researching who the biblical Jesus is. So if you haven't listened to my podcast before, and this is your first time listening, I am a Christian. I do talk about it in my podcast. I do make mention of my faith because it's, it's become so integral in my life. And I mean, Jesus is the reason that I breathe every single day. He is why I wake up in the morning. He's the only reason I have the things that I do have. And he never leaves me. So I want to talk about this because if you're struggling with ADHD and you're also struggling with your faith and you're starting to question maybe if it's to do with your ADHD, well, I can relate. Welcome to an ADD woman podcast. I'm your host, Lacey Estelle, writer of all things about ADHD parenting and being an ADHD mother on Mothering the Storm with Lacey Estelle at LaceyEstelle.com. Here on an ADD Woman podcast, we're going to switch it up and talk about all things to do with ADHD as an adult woman and how we deal with it. Now, you might be thinking, ADHD, women don't really have that. Actually, we do. We've all just been doing such a great job for years of masking it. So let's dive in. Let's talk about everything that our ADHD touches in our lives. And when I say everything, I mean everything. There is not one thing when you have ADHD that it doesn't affect. I'm so glad you're here. And if nothing else, I hope that you take away from this that you are not alone. You are not a failure. You are not lazy and you are not stupid and you are definitely not crazy. You just have ADHD and you're just like me. So the email that I received earlier last week from a listener just basically asked me if I could talk more about my ADHD and my faith and 
why I felt that it affected my faith or my relationship with God. And they also felt that it was affecting theirs. So in my response, I got pretty personal and I talked about one of the biggest reasons why I think my faith and my ADHD butted heads. First and foremost, when I think, when I started to realize that my life wasn't going the way I wanted it to go, okay, whether that's realizing I had ADHD and my brain is made in a dysfunctional way, and I say dysfunctional very lightly because I do think that we find ways to function totally fine, but ultimately I was going to have, you know, three steps to every other person's one step when it came to sorting out organizing my life and doing all those sorts of things, right? I was angry with the way my life had turned out. I was angry at God with the brain that I had been given. And I think I was just very resentful. And because of that, I started to question a lot of the things I believed growing up. And I started to ask myself, you know, if they were really the best choice, or if they were just judgmental paradigms that we adhere to because we're worried about being judged by God or we're worried about being judged by our family or by our parents or because we went to church and this was, you know, what we were told we're supposed to do. And so I know that that was a large part of it. I was angry. But even before I really came to the conclusion that I was angry because of my ADHD, I definitely deconstructed. And I think I deconstructed based on my perception of rejection. And I really went down the road of self-love and self-satisfaction. And I think this was primarily because I felt that I'd always been judged by the church for the choices I didn't necessarily want to make, right? So when you have ADHD, you're impulsive and you make choices. And there's a lot of times that I look back on my life and I go, I cannot believe I did that. Or... I cannot believe I just spent that money or I cannot believe that I just hooked up with that person or I cannot believe that I just did that to somebody that I care so much about. You do all sorts of things and when you look back at them, you're like, Ugh, I can't believe I did that. Well, when I realized I had ADHD or that I probably had ADHD, I started to kind of just blame it all on ADHD, right? That made sense. And then it became, okay, well, you know, if I just make these impulsive decisions or whatever I do, well, who's to say that any of them are bad, right? Why do I have this perception that they're bad? Is that just because of this construct of the Christian faith that I grew up with? And is it because of also my perception of this rejection for the mistakes or the choices that I was making, right? But who's to say those were actually bad or good choices. Maybe they're just neutral. Maybe they're just choices. Do you get what I'm saying? So I started to actually look at everything as just, well, it's just a choice. This is just a choice you make and you just deal with the consequences, right? I I didn't want to label things anymore as good or bad. I just wanted things to just be a choice. And I think this had to do with the fact that I was in denial about how my ADHD was actually affecting every single choice that I was making. So as I went through this deconstruction, I started to look at, you know, the feminist mantra of self-love, self-care, non-judgmental, you know, we're not going to judge you for your choice. We want to be there for you. We want to lift other women up. We want to empower you, which is all well and good on the surface and sounds like a great idea, but inside I was still empty. And what I was noticing 
what I did, okay, is I spent two to three years of doing whatever made me happy. And I told myself that that was okay because that was the purpose of life, right? Was self-fulfillment, was to make myself happy. And if I'm happy, who can judge me for what I'm doing, right? Regardless of the consequences of my own choices. And I just told myself that the things I was doing were making me happy and nobody could judge me for that. What I've come to realize now is that happiness is not the purpose of life. You know, as much as it's wonderful to be happy, happiness is a fleeting emotion. It's a in-the-moment feeling. And, you know, if you've been an adult for even like five seconds, you realize that it's really bad when you make emotional decisions. You make choices like you're going to give up on your relationship just because it feels really hard. Okay. And now I say that off the cuff and I've also talked about abusive relationships and those feel really hard too, but it's a different kind of hard. And I'll have to get into that in the next part of that series. But what I'm saying is, is anytime that you make an emotional decision, especially once you're an adult, you kind of start to go, uh, I probably shouldn't have let my emotions get the best of me. And I might have made a different choice. So I was doing whatever made me happy. And if that meant, you know, going out drinking on the weekends or, you know, staying the night with my boyfriend who I wasn't married to or, you know, just doing whatever I wanted, it wasn't a big deal, right? It wasn't affecting anybody else, except that it was. And even though I am a strong advocate of people should not be codependent or try to control the things that they can't control, right? But I'm sure that my parents were worried about me. I'm sure that my friends at the time, my long-term friends that have known me for years and years and years were thinking to themselves, this is not you. This doesn't seem like you. This doesn't align with the things you've always said you, you care about and you value. And then I ended up pregnant. And this was at the end of my self-satisfaction, do whatever makes Lacey happy phase, right? And I've talked about it in other episodes, um, but I was completely unprepared and I was angry and I was unsettled and I was scared. And for the first time in my life, I actually questioned whether or not I could ever go through with an abortion. I resent even saying that word because I have a almost three-year-old son now and He is the apple of my eye (laughs) and I love him to pieces. I think anybody listening to this should definitely understand that the emotion of a wanting an abortion and then also the emotion of loving your child, they're not mutually exclusive. So many women, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent for five seconds here. So many women that I talk to, they get pregnant and they get scared. And they think that that's not normal because pregnancy is supposed to be happy, right? And you're supposed to be excited and you're supposed to be prepared. And sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. God has other plans. And so if you're pregnant and you're thinking to yourself, man, I am scared out of my mind. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Let me just tell you, your child has a purpose and that purpose might be to wake you up out of your crap, selfish decisions. But it also may be way bigger than you. 
way bigger than you, bigger than the discomfort that you're going to have because you have to go through with the pregnancy. Your child is worth that discomfort just to say that. But Selfish Lacey didn't really feel that way. Selfish Lacey was scared and broke and had been living my life for me. So to say that my ADHD butted heads with my faith, well, here's the truth. My ADHD butted heads with my faith because I let my ADHD take the wheel for three years. Whatever felt good, that's what I did. And at the end of that road were the consequences of my own choices. And that consequence resulted in a sweet little boy named Grant. And so when you live your life and you think that happiness is the purpose of your life, right? You are really confronted with a massive like question of your belief system, right? And the moral backing that you stood on and the sandcastle you've built your life on of if your code is happiness, well, if it makes you happy, good for you. Or if it, if it doesn't, then you know, find something that does. When the consequences of your own choices, of your own choices, result in your extreme unhappiness, then what? Then what do you do? So I, and I said this in the other episode too, I had to examine who I was. And that took more than just saying, okay, well, I'm going to be a mother again, because I'd already had, I had two older children. And then also what kind of mother am I going to be this time? Well, I'd already kind of established what kind of mother I was. I am a somewhere between an attachment parent and a free range parent. And even though those are two opposite ends of the spectrum, trust me, I meet like right in the middle. That's who I am. And I wasn't necessarily examining that, but I had to actually ask myself, like, what makes a person? What, what makes a person who they are? And when I did that, I started to peel back the layers of why I didn't believe in the Christian faith. And then I asked myself, was it because the evidence of the Christian faith proved that it wasn't real? Or was it just because I felt judged by it? So one of the biggest things that I feel like a lot of people who have recently walked away from the faith is they'll tout science or they'll tout logic. They'll say, you know, well, it just doesn't make logical sense to me or the scientific data says differently. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. That is not true at all. As much as I don't want to judge somebody, I can tell you you're being very close-minded if you truly believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen because science, okay, science, you know, your favorite logical argument says it did. And I don't need to go down that road. I will try to list in the podcast notes here several different books you can read from people who were atheists, flat out atheists. C.S. Lewis, Lee Strobel, several people have gone down the road of, well, the science doesn't support it, right? And then come to find out that the science completely supports it. And it's crazy. And when you really think about it, okay, because I've heard of people say, well, I don't believe in the resurrection because I know dead people, they don't come back to life. That's why it's a miracle. <laughs> because he did. And there's evidence there to prove that he did. You just have to look for it. And if you look for it, it's all there. Plain as day. So here I was in the middle of this deconstruction. I'm pregnant. I'm in a crisis. I don't know. Call it a quarter life crisis, a 
third life crisis. <laughs> I was almost 30. And I asked myself if, you know, I, if I didn't have faith in Christianity because of the evidence, or if I didn't have faith in Christianity just because of how I felt. So again, I'm looking and I'm like, well, making choices based on my feelings up until now has really not done me any good. So maybe I should re-examine this whole Christ thing. And when I did, I was confronted with the same exact thing that every atheist, agnostic, or any belief system person has gone and dealt with when they go down the road of researching Christianity, the historical evidence for Christianity. And I'm not talking about the historical evidence of the church. That's a totally different thing. I'm talking about the historical evidence for the argument of Jesus being who he said he was, him being crucified, him being placed in a tomb, and him rising again three days later, that evidence. And it was overwhelming. So at that point, I started to say, okay, <laughs> well, now I know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. So then how come I still feel like I can't walk in a church? How come I still feel like I am just the worst sinner on the planet all because I had you know, premarital sex and I had children out of wedlock and I drank for way too long and too often for a long time. And, you know, I did all these things. So then I started actually reading the Bible. Okay. And I'm not talking about just reading the Bible because you want to learn a verse or you want to follow along with the sermon. No, no, no. I'm talking about researching the context of what it's talking about. And Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful. It is wicked. Who can understand it? And God actually says in Jeremiah that he knows the heart and he has written himself on the heart of his people and that he will come to them if we call for him. So here I am, I've been looking at this faith as this paradigm of things and rules that I'm supposed to follow that are just almost impossible for me, especially because I have ADHD. And God, if you're real, why did you give me a brain that has ADHD and just make it impossible for me to even follow you or do the things that you wanted me to do? And why would you do that to me? And lo and behold, my ADHD does not matter because God said that our hearts are broken. They do not work properly. We are incapable of doing what pleases God. We are incapable. Now, as a saint, once I became saved and I had salvation within my grasp and I understood and I knew Jesus and his unending mercy poured over me, I now can do things in my life and I know that they please God because I give him the glory when I do them, I've said it a hundred times in this podcast. I'm not talking to you to talk to you about my story. My story is, is crazy and awful and super messed up. And I made a bunch of mistakes, but I tell you this story because I want you to hear the love Christ had for me because that same love that he had for me, he has for you. So this perception of this super judgmental God who just sits on his throne and is pointing fingers at everybody and telling you, you got to live like this and live like this. Well, listen to me. That God is the same God who said, I know you betrayed me. You deceived yourself in the garden. 
when you thought it would be a good idea to eat from the fruit that I told you not to eat from. You turned away from me in Israel. You turned away from me in Egypt. You turned away from me in the wilderness. Every time I turned around, you betrayed me. You betrayed me and you betrayed me. But I will take you back. I will take you back because I love you. I love you regardless of your crappy decisions, regardless of your crappy upbringing, regardless of all of the things you do wrong. I love you no matter what. And because you are stuck in this sinful state and I love you and I want to fix that, I, I will come down. I will step off my throne and I will come into the arms of a teenage girl who's not married yet, who's unprepared and laboring in a barn. I will come as a baby and I will live as the lowest of low, as the poverty-stricken child, as a Jewish man in the wilderness, in under the thumb of Rome. I will come and I will live my life for you and I will serve you and I will serve you in my death. And when I die, you will finally have a way to come to me in the way that I've always wanted you to, regardless of your mistakes. Now, I'm not saying this because I think that you get to accept Christ and then just do whatever you want. That's not love. And God's word specifically says that he desires our love. He doesn't desire self-sacrifice. And I don't mean self-sacrifices in you shouldn't sacrifice yourself for him. That's not what I'm saying. It's more a matter of he doesn't desire for us to think small-minded in, in what we can do. We are incapable. But that does not mean you're not supposed to try to live a better life and make choices that he would have you make. What it means is that when you truly accept Christ, you have the change of heart. You feel his mercy. You feel his love for you. And you realize he's never left you. He's always been there. He never forsaked you. All those times that you were living for your own happiness, you were doing whatever you wanted. You were spitting in his face because you said, you know what, God, I know that you love me, but I don't care right now. I care about me. And if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody who lives their life that way, when you're telling them over and over again, I love you, please treat me good. I love you, please treat me good. We have all done that to God. And thank God that he is so much more capable than we are to take on that burden and fix it for us in a way that we could never do. So after you become saved and you have a change of heart, you no longer desire the world. You still want your happiness. That is something that in our small human minds, okay, and I do think that we are capable of great things, but compared to God, we are, we're the creation. This is kind of like, you know, I thought about it the other day and I said, when somebody makes a cake, okay, let's say it's, it's a cake statue, okay, and they say, I'm going to make this cake to look just like Lacey. It's going to have her face and her 
her hair and it's going to look like her body. It's going to have her favorite color shirt on. Okay. And it looks just like me. This it doesn't even necessarily have to be a cake. I don't know why I went to cake. Probably, I was probably hungry. Okay. It could be a painting, a portrait of me in my likeness, but it's not me. Okay. We're not God. We can't make the decisions for ourselves because we screw it up and ask anybody. They'll be like, oh yeah, I've made plenty of mistakes. Okay. Yeah, you have. You've done things that you told yourself you would never do and you did them anyways. And that's not just an ADHD thing. Now, it's worse if you have ADHD. I can tell you that. When I realized that the Christian God knew that my heart was messed up, knew that I would want to be selfish, knew that I would want to break every rule and I would want to chase my happiness for the rest of my life. He knew all of that. He told us that. He warned us about that in the Bible. So for me, then all of a sudden I was like, well, yeah, I have ADHD. So it's like, so I'm even more impulsive and I'm even more, but, but God has already told me, God told me that my heart's deceitful. What else did God tell me? So I started reading my Bible, which is where I definitely think you should start. And in reading my Bible, I learned who the Christian Jesus is, not who society says he is, not even necessarily who your church pastor says he is, and definitely not that church pastor that you follow online, unless they are biblically sound, okay? But who he actually is and who he was when he was on earth and what he said and what he did and how he acted and all of a sudden, for me, it was, this makes sense. And then I have to do the really hard thing because sometimes God calls me to go through things that I don't want to go through, to flex muscles that are not strong of mine, to work through things that are uncomfortable and make me very unhappy. But God sustains me. He says he will never forsake us. And if we call on him, he will give us strength. And so I call on him and he has never let me down. Every time that I think I cannot step out into this space, I cannot do this today. I wake up in the morning and I think, oh my gosh, I have four kids. And if even one of them talks to me today, I'm going to want to pull my hair out because I'm just so overwhelmed and everything is a mess and everything is dirty. Now, mind you, I get it. These are first world problems. Okay. Right now, there's one major thing that none of us can control, and that is the stinking gas prices, okay? And I look at those, and I go, Lord, help me. Help me not to be angry. Help me not to be frustrated. Help me not to take this out on my family. Help me to see what I need to do to help my family thrive through this scary time. And he shows up every single time. So... If you ask me how my ADHD butted up to my faith, it was feelings, those lovely little feelings. And that's the thing too, is that when you have ADHD as a woman, and I've mentioned this several times, um, we err on the side of the emotional. And that's not something that doctors have actually had written in the diagnosis for ADHD for a few years. It used to be in there. They took it out. I think they may have put it back in, or at least it's, it's, sidelined as another possibility, right? But we are on the emotional side of things. We feel rejection intensely. Happies are very, very high and our lows are very, very low. It's why so many women, at least I theorize that it's why so many women 
go into their doctors and say, I think I have ADHD. And the doctor says, no, maybe it's just depression or anxiety. Because the first thing out of the woman's mouth is says, she just says, I just don't have any energy and I feel very lethargic and I'm tired all the time and I'm crabby and I'm cranky and I feel irritable. Yeah, that sounds like anxiety or depression. But ultimately, it's just because us women, we're very in tune with our emotions. We're not going to go into the doctor and be like, I can't focus on my work. We might say that if we're like super aware that that is what's actually happening. But most of the time, we attribute it to ourselves and we say, well, I, f- I don't feel like doing my work, so there must be a problem with my feelings, right? But I mean, there is a problem with your feelings. It's a sin problem. But it's also because we have ADHD and we're extremely emotional. So I want to let you guys know also that if you resonated at all with anything in this podcast and you know you feel like, man, I, I want to get on that other side of what she's talking about. I want to work through my my mental struggles of feeling like I don't fit in or I can't go to church or I've made too many mistakes or or maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you're just still questioning and asking yourself like do I really even need this? Or do I really even have ADHD? Isn't that just, you know, some sort of societal definition of being different, artistic, creative, whatever. I want you to know that I am all for helping. And I want to be there for you. And I want to come alongside you and not just as a mentor, but as a friend. And if you were to sign up to do some sort of mentorship with me, I think these are things we can work through. I think that we should work through helping you get on the other side of wherever it is that you feel stuck. And whether that's school or that's relationships or that's whatever it is. Now, I'm not going to sit there and be your accountability partner and check in with you every single day. That's not how it works. Um, What I am going to do for you is I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to give you all the tools that I have implemented in my own life over the last five or six years that I think have made a huge shift in my brain. And I'm not talking about it's totally, you know, remedied my ADHD. What I am saying is that it has helped me to change my perception of myself and who I am and where my value comes from. And if my value is actually based on the things that I do or the things that I don't do or the mistakes that I make or the money that I make or the degrees I have. It's one thing to say that we know our value doesn't come from those things, but it's a whole other thing to actually embrace the fact that it doesn't. I want to help you embrace that. So if you are interested in signing up with me for mentorship, I will link to it in the podcast. I would love to have you there. I would love to walk you through it. What I'm wanting to offer you now is actually more of a membership program where I get to work with everybody kind of one-on-one in the mentorship, but this way I can help as many of you as I can without needing to help one of you at a time. So I will talk to you all soon. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.